0: The following show contains two grown men vehemently spouting off unpopular opinions about some of your favorite pop culture movies, shows, characters, and franchises, then demonstratively taking a large penalty shit on them. So if you are an easily offended, pro clutching whiny-ass little bitch who cries when people have a different opinion than yours, or if you piss your pants when people trash your beloved area of pop culture, then we suggest you do one of two things. First, grow the fuck up and go fuck yourself. Secondly, this is not the podcast for your candy ass, and you should turn it off now because shit's about to get personal. You've been warned.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, prepare to have your asses chafed and your feelings hurt, as do middle-aged white men do what do middle-aged white men do best, besides raping and pillaging the world, and that's force people to listen to the unsolicited opinions about some trivial bullshit so welcome to the cheeky bassist podcast and now here are your hosts from america the notorious scott King, and from england the cynical mr smith
0: Fucking oh, you slag, John sons of bitches, and welcome to part one of our very special three-part season two kickoff of the Cheeky Bastards podcast, entitled "Bayhem on the That's right, for the next three fucking months, myself, Mr. Smith, and our very first ever special guest, Mr. Petros Patsillis of the Caves and Cobalt Connections and the Getting to For You podcast will be taking an explosive journey through the filmography of show favorites, I'm talking about the Earl of Explosions, Michael fucking Bay. You, sir, are a horseshit artist! To determine once and for all if he is in fact an action-auteur or just a flashy horseshit artist. Now for part one of this drunken quest, entitled The Baytastic Five, we'll be taking a look at the best of the Bay filmography based on the average of all three of our rankings of his films. Now it gives me great pleasure to welcome in my heterosexual life mate and co-host, Mr. Steve Smith and the man whom we have graciously bestowed the honor of being our inaugural guest, Mr. Patrick Patilovas. Welcome, gentlemen, to the Bayhem.
2: Hello everybody. Welcome. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank I'm I'm ready to get into this. I feel like yes. I, I said in a message to you guys, I feel like Joe Pesci being led out to the desert right here. <laughs> you guys have got uh, your you aluminum baseball bats <laughs> you've got.
3: I mean, it was still way too hot for me to even go near Vegas. So I set up a meeting with the guys way out in the sticks. I didn't want my brother to get fucked around. I mean, what's right is right. They don't give a fuck about you red hey, motherfuckers! Tough guy, huh? you, huh? you, you and your oh, pool, fucking brother! You fucking scumbag! You up. Up. No, up. Up. no more! No more! You see? Fuck!
4: You might be, you might be in for a surprise there. Okay. I won't say we. I won't say which way that's going to go,
5: but I do the voice. I want to say to both of you, this is really kind of set up by both of you. All right. So obviously, I've been talking some shit about a movie that we'll get into in one of these episodes. I won't tell you which. And I, you know, I've been dragging on Michael Bay.
0: You sir are a horseshit artist.
5: It's Mister Fucking Smith over here who the reappraisal we have on this podcast over the year we have tried to change it when we feel it wasn't fresh anymore it was getting stale and one of the things we started moving into was reappraising things that we thought we knew original opinions about and we started this already so i have liked this new path i've gotten some feedback from some of our other podcasting friends Who actually like the same path we've chosen to reappraise things and not just, you know, stick our feet in the ground and say, nope, this is how it is, and we know this and never go back and look at it. Now it was also Mr. Pat Silvis, when you two were together on which you did a great episode together on his show, he had said, sent you a message and asked you either pre-recording or after, that he wanted to come on and like kind of take us to task for everything we'd said. And while I felt that would be a fun episode, I thought we would get more out of it if we all did this painstaking attack of going through all these movies and actually, for our own eyes, going back through them, and for some, like I think Mr. Smith, seeing them for the first time. So it gives me and uh, Mr. Petros a little bit more of a leg up on you because this is definitely... I've only, I think, three of the films of his 15 I hadn't seen. So they were my first watching as well.
4: Well, I'd, um, on our recommendation and usual
5: horse shit round at the beginning, yes. I'd
4: only seen... Um, 13 Hours was the only one I'd seen. So I had a lot to get through.
5: Which is quite surprising considering some of the movies that were in the 90s that you missed. Just It's yeah, quite surprising I, that you missed a few of those. Like, you know, Bad Boys, The Rock, and Armageddon. Yeah. Like three films no, I, in the 90s that, especially people our age, would have seen in the theater. Because those are those big summer blockbusters.
4: Yeah, I think that's not really my te- my taste in movies. I don't really go for them, that sort of stuff. But this has been um educational yes
5: yes so I thought who better to bring on to do this than Petros himself and I, I knew that the three of us would have a great conversation and I also as I've kind of alluded to Steve as we've recorded a few shows since we started this I started my journey June 20th it took me almost just shy of two months to get through it and Pearl Harbor I don't want to spoil anything but after watching that I had to take two weeks off I had to take two <laughs> I had to step away for two weeks I was like oh God I've got that's four movies in. I was like, I have 11 to go. I was like, I don't know. So I took two weeks off, and I just I got into it religiously. I said, all right, we're going. At least every other day, I was trying to get a movie knocked out. So now, gentlemen, on that note, what were your feelings, good and bad, initially going into this? As you know, what did you... I mean, we, we all had come in, obviously, I probably came in and, and the fans of the show would know that I probably came in like, fuck Michael Bay, every movie's going to suck, and I'm just going to shit on all of them. That would be I would be a very fair thing for people to think that I would go on. What were your first initial reactions? I'll go with you, Steve, first, because this is your first time out the gate in Bayham completely. What was your initial thought? I don't. We'll get into what you feel at the end of the last episode. What was your initial feeling going into this, and maybe some of the things you're excited for or dreading like crazy?
4: Right. Well, for the most part, I think why I've, why I've always avoided Michael Bay movies is not because of him. Didn't know not much about the guy. In fact, I only I only found out about a week ago that he's he got his start in commercials, so I'm not familiar with the guy. And I think a lot of it was. It's just the genres that he—it's the genres he tends to, to use. They're not really my my thing, with exceptions, which I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, really, it was mainly—I don't really like big budget, special effectsy, blockbustery kind of popcorn movies. That's just not my thing. And he does—that's what he excels in. So that was really it for me. It wasn't anything, you know, any like militant stance against anything. It was just like that's not my thing. You know, that's just not my thing. There's a million films like that, like the Transformers stuff and various, like Armageddon, things like that. I'm just not interested. Whoever made it. And I'd be disappointed if a director I like made one. I'd be like, oh, you know, like, um, I don't know, just pick one out of my ass. Ridley Scott. If he did some bubblegum popcorn-y CGI fest, I'd be like, oh, No. You know, because I'm always looking forward to his movies, and if he does something I'm not into, it's a bit of a bummer. So, yeah, it's mainly genre that I—that's a genre I avoid. So I avoid in turn, I avoid Michael Bay. So there you go,
5: Mr. Pat Syllabus.
2: I, I i came in this with like a,
5: rose-colored glasses.
2: No, a fascination to kind of revisit some stuff I hadn't—I hadn't watched. Like I remember seeing Dark of the Moon. I worked at a cinema, so Transformers and like. I think the reason I went to watch that, I think I'd already kind of fallen out of step with the Transformers movies, but like there was like a staff showing of it, so we got to see it early. So like that was the that was the main reason for seeing that, more of a social thing. And I just wanted to look at the films again and look at like the kind of the contextual like landscape of mm-hmm. them, where they fit into cinema at the time, and kind of like to the point of Steve's is like to analyse that thing. Are they big like CGI grab grab 'em movies? Because I think there's some of that in this. But one of the things I, I learned going in is it's like so, some of it is like real practical filmmaking. Like, and, like there's, there's there's one film in particular that uh, I feel like is going to take <laughs> up a lot of their time that is like practical as can fucking be. Like, do you know what I mean? like 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 I was I was trepidatious in a way just because I I'd not left it to the last minute, but I I knew I was just going to be mainlining these movies literally like
5: constantly,
1: and I, like, I, I, did.
2: I didn't watch them in chronological order either. I kind of like I
5: did. That I was did. fun. I did too. That was fun.
2: I wanted to get through like some of the ones I hadn't seen gotcha. just in case it got right down to the wire, and it was like oh I've seen The Rock countless amounts of time so i can hold that up until last yeah. and still even if like do you know what I mean i, I get part way through it or kind of have to watch it in pieces it's like it's just refreshing it's not like ingesting something for the first time so yeah i was i was excited because I, I realized there's a lot of kind of host transformers like so six underground 13 hours i hadn't seen so I was kind of like looking forward to being like, oh, what happened? Because I I, I I'd, I'd never seen the 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 Mark Wahlberg uh, Transformers movies, and like I'll, I'll I'll say it now, not to spoil anything, but I wish I hadn't seen. Them. <laughs> 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 but. Yeah, no, no, I was I was, I was, was excited, and at the same time, I think anything, when, when you have a daunting task of 15 movies to watch for, essentially, three podcast episodes, it's like, that's a lot <laughs> of fucking work to be getting on with.
4: Even if it I mean, wasn't by one guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's oh, 15 yeah, movies. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. There's 15 yeah. movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. Like, we were just talking off mic about the fact, like, recently, uh, William Friedkin has, like, passed away. And it's like, I want to be, like, mainlining William Friedkin movies again and kind of, like, celebrating his life by watching those movies. And instead, it's like, oh, no, you've got to you've got to watch, like, three more Transformers. <laughs> oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> well, I,
4: yeah, I was kind of thinking earlier, yeah, not to get too skipped through my head, but I was thinking, I can finally start watching some good films again. That's not strictly true, though, because I've got some surprises in
3: store.
5: Well... Yeah, I know what you mean, since the reason we did this is because I have been after Michael Bay since episode one and, and yeah. the whole horseshit artist. And some of it is tongue in cheek, but I wanted also what I thought would be fun about us doing it this way when you and I talked about it, Steve, and then we brought in Petro's was I really wanted to go through all of them from start to finish. Because I realized I've seen most of these films, like mm-hmm. with Transformers. I was young; my kids were still young, so like I probably took my son. He was seven. He was five years old when the first Transformers came out. You know, now he's going to be twenty-one. So like it's a long time. Like, I couldn't believe how long ago those were. So I've seen a, you know some of those because of, of my my kids. Some of them because in the nineties, I was seeing Mr. Petros is a Nicholas Cage fan, so am I. To me, Nicholas Cage became the meteoric star he is in those two summers in a row where he does The Rock, he does Face Off, and he does. I can't air. Those three movies in a row are just like, you know, those are the summer blockbusters. Everyone's going to see this. So of course I'm fucking seeing these films. So a lot of these I'd seen, but I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just, you know, putting my blinders up and remembering things or just maybe going off of things I'd heard other people say. I didn't want to just be that person who goes, you know, I just fucking hate Michael Bay for this reason. Yeah. And I we may hate is Ambulance, is... but I don't think I hate, I don't, There's other, yeah, like I said, we do our, evolve. I may not hate him as We're... much. We evolve as yes. viewers,
4: don't we? Too. Mm-hmm. You know, I've changed my minds on lots of things over the years. I'm always very hesitant, really, to just say I fucking hate something because maybe I was in a bad mood that day.
5: <laughs> yeah. It's what? your stance on the Evil Dead or Evil Dead? I'm sorry. It, yeah, you exactly. Went 13 you know, years so ago, you, fucking things, hated you know,
4: it. And like I say, for me, I did feel a little bit like, yeah. How come? I, I felt a bit, felt a bit ashamed that I hadn't seen The Rock. You know, come like, hang on a minute. Like you pointed out, Nicolas Cage. Sean Connery. Sean Connery, yeah. I mean, what a... Again, let's not... Well, we might be into that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, we're getting ahead. I do that. I ramble. No, you're good.
2: But I think I've been on that journey you're talking about. I've been... I've been through that kind of like... Cause I bought, well, I would have been like seven when Armageddon came out. Yeah, I remember that that summer, or like when that hit Sky, it was like Deep Impact or Armageddon. Which camp are you in? So I kind of like I watched that a lot as a kid, and like I remember Bad Boys Two, like that was a pirate DVD we had when I was a kid. So I watched it, all, loved it all. Like yeah. Transformers, when it got to like the third, I kind of fell off, and yeah. then like started having those views like Fuck yeah. Michael Bay. All it is yeah. is like gratuitous ass shots of like yeah, like, explosions yeah. and now I've come out the other side and I've gone he's a
5: trash genius right well, I mean, <laughs> spoiler alert no we, I guess we know how he feels <laughs>
4: maybe at the time you know maybe at the time I was I was just a bit because I was obviously older mm-hmm. I was on a different I was on a different path at that time so you know it's just a different different era you know
5: that's all but yeah now before we jump in Steve I don't know if you felt this way because you and I did it the same way chronological The reason I chose it that way was I wanted to see how he grew, you know, where his his tropes started to really become his tropes, Yeah. where, you know, maybe where his shortcomings were, but where obviously um, we do a podcast on the Bruce Willis stuff that's. Not watched, and our friend uh, does a Nicolas Cage one, and I do a Tarantino one. So we all are—we get versed in some of these worlds where we get into the trenches and we start to watch them. You know what I mean? And then we start to become a bit of a bit of you know—I don't want to say academic scholars on it, but we have a pretty good stake in some of the shit we're going through and watching. Yeah, you well, know, we're giving up time. Watch-
4: Yeah, I was. What I was going to do was watch all his movies, but then I was going to watch all the Transformers movies in a row. That was my intention. But then I thought, hang on a minute, that's not going to give me a true reading of the thing, the very thing you're talking about—the growth, Mm -hmm. the things that become like tropes, and Mm
5: -hmm. you know, little. And where he's successful, and and where he, you know, overdoes things. Like I really—that's it. That's harder to do
4: that if you just oh, if you're all over the place. You do. You kind of need that tunnel vision a
5: bit, just to sort of see the path.
4: Like I say, I've i not only seen one of these movies, so this has been a massive education for me. Yes. Massive.
5: And when we get to our final episode, we'll we'll discuss if this is a good way to ingest films of people or not. Now, before we jump balls deep into the madness of Bayham, we're going to skip our show's usual monthly recommendations and instead play a Michael Bay themed game. However, you can check out our socials to see what movies or TV shows we've recommended for you to watch or to stay the fuck away from this month. And as an added bonus, we're going to include recommendations of our guest, Mr. Pet Syllabus. So over the next three months, be checking out for, usually it's the second day after the podcast comes out, we drop them out there on the socials. So stay tuned and be looking for those as we get them out there. Now, gentlemen, the game we are playing for our first month is Name How the game is played is I will summarize one of Michael Bay's movies in the most vague way possible. And then you must tell me the name of the film I've just described. The person to raise their hand first that I will see that our listeners will not see will get first crack at it. There will be a total of seven movies for you to decipher from, and the contestant who deciphers the most correct will get a slow motion hand job from Mr. Michael Bay himself. Good luck to you both. You gotta take it. We can get it. Movie number one. A man's shop is vandalized by members of a local step team. I love watching your brain scan through 15 movies in your head. I, I don't know. In one of Michael Bay's movies, a man's shop is vandalized by members of a local step team. A step team is a dance team here in America that gives away anything. Any guesses? I'm drawing a blank. Mr. Petros? Bad boys. Correct. Correct. Bad Boys too. When they go into the guy's shop and they start dancing and breaking it up. That's a step team. They even talk about it. Oh. Hey. Okay. Look, at Petros wants this hand job. Slow-mo hand job. Hero hand job. <laughs> <laughs> Movie number two. A man is given a helicopter ride to a refugee camp. Man, I'm not I'm good at this, clearly. Six Underground. You are correct. Six Underground is correct. Poof. I would have thought you got that, Steve, because you just watched that two I think movies I've forgotten ago.
4: most of these films already. I've had to take <laughs> notes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Movie number three.
5: This will be a good one. A distraught employee files a missing sneaker report. Pain and gain. You are a dumbass. No, incorrect.
4: That's what I was going to say. I was then going to jump in with that one.
0: You are
5: a dumbass. It's the island. In the beginning, Mr. Ewan McGregor. He's missing a shoe in one of, of his course. things. Yes. Of course. Yes. Pumas, I, might, I might put these on letterboxes. The, Pumas. The, the if you just said Pumas, I'd have got it.
3: Movie number four.
5: This should be easy. A man sexually assaults a woman with some food. Pain and gain? You are a dumbass. No. You've hung on the pain and gain. i got nothing. Armageddon. The fucking Animal Crackers. Oh, yeah. Oh, Come, no, on. Come on. Come
3: on. Come on. It's one of, the
5: most, one of the most famous scenes of his movies ever. Whether that's good <laughs> or bad, we'll get into that later. Movie number five. A young woman dumps her meathead boyfriend because he won't let her drive his truck. Every one of these descriptions is just one scene from the movie. That's <laughs> what two? You are a dumbass. Ooh, close but wrong close but wrong. Three? <laughs> so my kids, just keep counting until you get the right one. You are a dumbass. The original Transformers. Oh. Megan Fox, his boyfriend, won't let her drive and he says something about Sweet Bunny or whatever and she walks away from him. That starts the events in motion.
0: Movie number six.
5: With the housing market on the decline, a realtor is forced to pick up a second job as a security guard. Heine and
0: A dumbass.
5: No. Eventually, (laughs) you'll get there. Steve, anything? I got nothing. Thirteen hours. The secret soldiers of Benghazi. The reason Jim from The Office's character leaves is because the housing market's no good, and he goes and is a security guard over in the very peaceful town of Libya. And our final movie. Movie number seven. A local healthcare worker starts up a neighborhood watch.
4: Anybody? I'm playing a game.
5: Painting game. The <laughs> one that finally is painting game. I gain. think I just got Boom. back
4: Quicker than Petros. He
5: would have <laughs> Petros, gone though, is the winner. He will get the slow motion hand job. Watch for our socials. We may have a YouTube channel coming up, to or maybe an OnlyFans <laughs> channel devoted <to> vote <laughs> to vote into Michael Bay sexual favors. And it'll be. I heavily... folded. I folded under questioning. What <laughs> can I say?
3: Wonder about you sometimes, Henry. You may fold under questioning.
5: <laughs> <laughs> all right, and now for the moment we've all been waiting for.
0: The Cheeky Bastards present Mayhem
5: Over the past couple of weeks the three of us have watched all 15 of Michael Bay's films, some of us in order, some of us not, to decipher once and for all if he is an action auteur or just a flashy horseshit artist Now those films are, in chronological order Bad Boys, The Rock, Armageddon Pearl Harbor, Bad Boys 2, The Island Transformers, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen Transformers Dark of the Moon Pain and Gain, Transformers Age of Extinction, 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi, Transformers The Last Night, Six Underground, and Ambulance. First up, we will be tackling and discussing The Batastic Five, or what we're calling The Good, which are the top five movies of Michael Bay's filmography, as determined by the average of our rankings of his films. Now, how we did that is we each ranked our films from one through 15. I got the two gentlemen to send them to me. I took them together, added them up, did the average of the three, and based on them, we have our 1 through 15 for the show rankings. I will now give the first 5. We'll start with number 1. I will give you the description I came up with and tell you the movie, and we will then get on our way. Number 1. Miami's favorite wisecracking,
0: trigger-happy cop returned to break more rules in an effort to take down a Cuban drug cartel. This time around, the stakes are higher, the guns are bigger, the cars are faster, and the explosions are more explosion-y. With a body count and property damage to rival Warzone, it will make you wonder how these two loose cannons were ever allowed to carry a badge and gun in the first place. I'm talking about 2003's Bad Boys 2.
5: Now, gentlemen, you're going to be surprised at the top five. We are pretty close. Like, there are some movies we are really close on. Like, our, our numbers are really close. And then there's some... Where there's like two near each other and there's an outlier. So it's fine. We'll we'll have that discussion. (laughs) Now, so everyone knows where these ranked. For me, I ranked this as my number two film. Petros had this as number four. And Mr. Smith had this as his number three film. So got a pretty good average. Put it in number one. What I'm going to say about what I enjoy about Michael Bay. That term that no one who's listened to this podcast for 12 episodes has ever heard me say. So there you go. Ding, ding. I said it is he can really do some action. He can do some fun action and have some fun. He took a really good, and obviously this is the sequel to the Bad Boys, but he took the buddy cop formula of the 90s, with which he added one with Bad Boys, and he amped it up a bit. They had fun with it. Some of the action in this, you're just like, what the fuck? Like, your jaw is dropped. You're wondering, how did they fucking shut down Miami for so long? How did they get that bridge scene to happen? Can't but awe at some of the things he does in this film with his action. Mr. Smith, being this that it is your first time, what about this film did you enjoy? What did you take away from seeing Bad Boys 2 for the first time? Well,
4: obviously, we'll get to Bad Boys, but I actually found the, well, the the, the car chase on the bridge <sighs> exceptional. There's some, yeah. some, there are some real standout set pieces, but not all of them action for me Yeah, obviously the bridge car chase, Um, the morgue (laughs) scene—a particular highlight for me. But actually, my favorite scene, really my favorite scene in the movie, is when Martin Lawrence's daughter's new boyfriend comes to the door. Classic. It is a (laughs) fucking
5: classic. I
4: was actually—I was on my own and I was lolly. I was laughing out loud alone. Will Smith is
5: never better in a film than in that movie. It is so great.
4: Full disclosure: I don't even like Will Smith, but. In this, uh, you know, you got a hand it to the guy. But even, even uh, Martin Lawrence as well. I mean, yeah, so there's there's some real stand-up scenes, that just not all, of them, not all of them action. But that, yeah, for me, the morgue scene is great. Yeah, there's a lot to love about this movie. It's kind of, for a buddy cop movie, it's kind of got the lot. You know, it's, yeah. it, it ticks the boxes exceptionally well. So,
5: yeah, I dug this one. He does such a good job with that bridge scene. He's going to replicate it in a couple of movies, as we'll probably get into. After that bridge, that's why watching a chronological order was fun, yeah. because you go, oh, shit, he really loved this yeah, bridge yeah, scene, it and, and it's going know, to be in the, other movies. Uh, you know,
4: Martin Lawrence, after taking all the, uh, taking the ecstasy. <laughs> when they go. <laughs> Joe to,
5: Pantaleon is great. Joey Pants.
4: Pants? Yeah, Joey Pants, yeah. Um, yeah, so there was just a lot of set pieces that I just was totally into, and I, I was vocally just cracking up watching it.
2: So yeah, for me,
5: I just loved it. Petros,
2: I just love the kind of like grotesque use of like lighting and like it may come through a lot of these films, but this one I think <laughs> like the, the first time where it's almost like he doesn't he doesn't care that there's like light flare everywhere. And I'm not talking about like. Lens, no, what you mean? Like the light. Lead and his uses of, like, blue and stuff like that. Like, this film is just, like, drenched in primary colours. Like, there's that scene where they, like, attack those guys in their kind of, like, run-down house. And there's that amazing, like, 360 shot camera, camera. thing that like becomes a his signature. Around. Yeah. And like, all, all of that stuff. And, like, the, it's just all this kind of, like, blue hue throughout the place and like greens and stuff like that and like i like that the film like talks about like the moral ambiguity of these guys and kind of like self-aware to the fact that they are they're fucked up basically in the fact like (laughs) like and like joey pants is there just having like an aneurysm every time of like you guys are just costing the city so much fucking. (laughs) like (laughs) like,
4: i forgot to say all i could think whenever joey pants is like she made me think of Bill Burr. Yes, just that yes, same kind yes. of I'm about to have a heart attack. Like, yes, uh, yeah. yes. Yeah, 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 that was just, all I could think was he just or rem- well, Bill Burr reminds me of him. Yeah,
5: I say probably. Do you remember what I said? Because I was there, I remember because I said it. You he's fucking he's shooting baskets. He can't hit a fucking shot. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he's fantastic. He is so good in these. I think Martin Lawrence is the
2: secret weapon of those films. I think like one of the things that I think like a slight shortcoming of the second is they tried they tried to like sideline Martin Lawrence to make it like the Will Smith show. And it's like from. I
4: was kind of going to get to that when
5: we talk about the first one. But I yeah. think for me, and I'm glad you brought up one of my notes when we do get to the first one is I felt Martin Lawrence was a little over the top. He was trying too much to be the Murphy type.
4: trying my
5: I mean, I love him. I, I actually liked him more toned down because I thought his humor was better. He wasn't too over the top. We'll get into that later. Anyways, but this is one of the movies that. I go, damn it. What do you ever want to say about Michael Bay? When he puts his mind to making an irreverent, and I should state that, when he knows that the shit that he's putting on screen is absolutely... He leans into the 80s stuff like Steve and I are used to when we were younger. We needed heroes who were doing crazy shit, and we know none of that was real. and It was all implausible, but we were okay with it because we had great leads, and with fun set pieces, and you could buy into it. Some of his movies we'll get into when he starts to think, when he tries to become a serious director, that's why I think he falls apart. This is some of his best. When he leans into like, look, I'm going to fucking action, and I'm going to throw these guys together, and he's got the right leads, it's fucking gold. I mean, this, I loved this movie. And I was so actually, it's one of the few movies I was really excited to get to watching because I saw this in 03, on, like you, uh, Petros, on a ripped DVD because I was in Iraq. So this came out in the summer while I was over there. So we probably got this from someone in Kuwait in like the fall. I remember sitting and watching it and when we saw the fucking bridge scene, we were like, what like there was more damage being done in this movie than the shit we were doing over in war. I was like, damn, these motherfuckers are killing my This is like, holy shit. Holy <laughs> shit. I thought we had it tough. I was like, damn, Miami Dave, they've got a real tough. And again, everyone has their thing. Like, I'm a Tarantino fan. He's got the trunk shot. He's got a few things. I will say, that 360 camera going around, that is a fucking damn good use in that movie. Like, Making I fucking there. loved it. Oh, 100%. For being a fan of football, is the XFL came out, what, early 2000s? Remember the XFL? They tried to be a football thing. The one thing the XFL brought to American football, and probably to other sports, is that overhead a cable camera that can come over the top. They put that in. There was never in sports before. So the XFL was just a flash in the pan, but that is a lasting thing that they've done. And now that 360 will be a lasting thing that he really pulls off really well as that camera. And the use of that was just fucking amazing
2: well one of the things i'll say is like through my research and looking at michael bay is what he always asks his team is when he's like prepping for a film because he uses like the same like team all, all, all the time basically it's kind of like a family he's created and he will say like what's like the new tech or like what's new that we can be fucking around with and you can kind of see that, like, and and I—that's I, why I think, like, for what people say is his shortcomings and stuff like that, I've always said, like, he's like the Wario to James Cameron's Mario. <laughs> In the fact that, like, James Cameron is out there, like, pushing technology forward, and like, do you know what I mean, like, no matter what your kind of reservations are for the Avatar films and stuff like that, for just a sheer magnitude of what he's doing technically, you can't, you can't, you can't, can't argue.
5: No, agree. Can't
2: argue with it. You. you Can go like he's doing stuff with computers and like mocap and like stuff like that. It's like, and then like, Michael Bay is doing that, but he's like going, let's do it really fucking scrungy and horrible and like, do you know what I mean? Trashy. Let's like, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get a camera and literally shove it up someone's asshole. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, uh, like what what's the new tech? Do you know what I mean? I'm sure if there's like endoscopy cameras that he could be using for stuff, he'd be fucking using them.
5: Like. <laughs> I'm looking forward to what he's gonna do with AI. <laughs> he's gonna make it the worst. Take AI I'm not sure. I'm
2: not
4: sure it's intentional, personally. But anyway, we'll get into that. It's- we just did not know. We got 14 to go, him.
5: sir. You I think you're giving him too You much relax, credit. this fucking guy, all right? Hold yourself, all right? Number two.
0: A nerdy FBI agent and a bad SX ex-con team up to break into Alcatraz, which has been taken over by a rogue unit of Marines who may or may not kill everyone if their demands aren't met. Childlike bickering eventually leads to a shaky alliance as the two unlikely heroes save the day while classical music plays over excessive violence and mayhem. I'm talking about 1996's The Rock.
5: Not The Wrestler, the movie that came before The Wrestler, The Rock. They should have trademarked that so we couldn't have it. Because now if you (laughs) search The Rock, He's the person you get. He's the first hit. You don't get this movie. As I've well stated, I fucking love Nick Cage. I will die in a hill. I will fight anyone to the death who talks anything bad about Nick Cage and they don't know what they're fucking talking about. This movie, and I don't mean to be mean to miss Cage, this is a Sean Connery movie. He is so fucking... We watched this and I was like, God damn Connery was good. He was just so fucking good in this. And I love the fact that recently there's been this big push on social media that is The Rock really a James Bond film. And I was rewatching. I was like, this is kind of cool, but I don't want to shit on that thing. But I think because I was looking, he's like arrested in this movie like earlier than the last James Bond film he was in. So it's kind of like, eh, it doesn't hold a lot it's of water. It's just nerdy but, shit anyway, eh, but that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a bit of fun. But- yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I fucking love it. I fucking love it. I watched it now with this new thing of like, he's James Bond. Like in my mind, I'm like he's James Bond today. I don't care what his name is in the movie. I'm like, he's doing this as James Bond.
3: Well,
2: James Bond would definitely have the sentiment of "winners go home and fuck the prom queen." <laughs> yes, I mean, especially in like, James, James Bond. He's a misogynistic piece of shit. <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't have said
4: Yeah, but he was classy. He wouldn't have said it. Yeah, <laughs> he would have just done it. James Bond would have just done it. He would have said it, but they no, would have no, found no, no, a way no, around because he had pussy galore. He would have found a way around saying it. You don't know James Bond. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have said it. He would have just done it. He's not a scientist, he's a fucking
5: dude. I'm going to start with Mr. Nicolas Cage podcast man himself. I know you've done, you've covered this. How did you like re-watching this and now watching it instead of as a Nicolas Cage film, but as a Michael Bay film? Was that a different eye to now look at this through? Uh, well, what's interesting
2: about this, not only is it a Nicolas Cage film, this is the first time that uh, John Schwartzman, Nicolas Cage's cousin, like works with Michael Bay as well. So he, he DOP'd it, so... And I think, like, where uh, there is, like, pause for people to say that, like, John Schwartzman is part of, like, developing uh, Michael Bay's kind of visual style as well, because he, he was the DOP on this Armageddon and Pearl Harbor, so, like, had, like, a kind of, do you know what I mean, like a technical... Mm-hmm aspect to to how these films are made and yeah from speak like i I spoke to nicholas cage's stand-in michael kairos about this film when i spoke to him a few years ago and he told me some amazing stuff about michael bay and like he said like a lot of the stuff you hear about michael bay like he shouts and stuff is very much true but it's like he just wants shit done and he knows he knows what how he wants stuff done and he is happy to just be like and i don't even think it comes from a place of like fuck you he he will like Camera operator's not getting the shot. He was like, fuck it, I'll just I'll operate the camera then. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, just that thing of like yeah, he's in charge. Fight. He's the general.
5: Yeah. He wants his shit done. Yeah, I get it. Yeah.
2: And I know how the film do you know what I mean? Especially if you know how you want the film to look in your head. I don't know. Yeah, you'd be like, fuck it, I'll, I'll just operate the camera on this shot. So yeah, watching it as a Michael Bay film, oh, it's got all of it's it's got all of the ar- ar- archetypal stuff in there. It was very hoorah. Do you know what I mean? The fact that it's <laughs> The politics, and I think you can say this for about all of Michael Bay's film they're all over the fucking place. You do not know where he kind of stands. No, they swing the wind. Well, he yes, doesn't right. write anything, does it? Not no. Writer, no does like, it? He
5: does not. That is that But is he chooses
2: true. the images on screen, do you know what I mean? And he, chooses, he obviously has some say in the edit to, like, how things are going like, to... Do you know what I mean? Like... He chooses to, for people to deliver speeches in front of American flags and have this kind of like very gung ho American imagery of like one. It looks really cool, but Nick Cage with the kind of flares and the like. <laughs> yeah, but that's the,
4: where his politics
5: lie. The platoon, the, the platoon bat- bat- t- yeah. Yeah. Yeah, bat- yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, But Like
2: they're, they're very muddied in the fact of like is he like I can't tell if is he, if he's like some kind of right wing. You know what I mean? Hoorah. I don't
5: know, because um, in the movie we'll talk about, but in Armageddon, he's making fun of, or in one of the Transformers, he's making fun of George Bush. The guy the guy oh. playing the president on You're the plane is, is making fun you of, like, George die. Bush and stuff. But no, I'm saying, like, I think he's very, he's clearly pro-American, but even in uh, the 13 hours of Benghazi, and we'll get to that, but he doesn't lean into the Hillary Clinton thing There, like, he, he loves America and the military, but I don't know which way he swings, because he makes, he just seems to make fun of things left and right, you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't seem to center on a single thing, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's just whatever. I don't know. I mean, he's not a writer. No.
4: You know, second unit and fucking assistant directors He's got a million of them, so let's not give him too much.
1: Credit. Real quick, though.
5: Did Schwartzman ever work with Tony Scott? No, 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 no. Because no. the first few films of his, I felt a very similar style to the Tony Scott, Jerry Bruckenheimer films.
2: Well, I think it's just the Jerry Bruckheimer like, state yeah, but But, but yeah, like, but like yeah. I mean, obviously, he
5: moves out of it, I think, after Pearl Harbor. Once we get into, like, um, the island and stuff, when he gets into 2000, he slides a little bit out. But early on, like, especially Bad Boys, the first three, it feels a lot like a... Like, it had, like, I felt more of a Tony Scott feel. Well, I think that's like a house style. I think yeah, like no, Gary right.
2: Bruckheimer and Don Simpson kind of said to a load of directors, and like like Connette, they've got yeah. Simon West, but you could easily say... That's a Michael Bay film.
4: Oh, I thought that was Michael Bay. Exactly. When we had a discussion, didn't we? So
5: does uh, Family Guy? Have you ever seen the show where Family Guy is redone by Michael Bay? Because they do these things like if this show was done by Michael Bay, the character that Peter plays is fucking what's his name from Con Air, but it's done by uh, Michael Bay. Michael Bay didn't direct seen, the fucking I've never movie. Seen so. Family Guy. do you know what I'm talking about, Petros? Have you seen it? I, 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 I
2: can, I can, I can imagine what, what what you're talking about. Yeah.
5: Anyways, so Mr. Smith, what did you feel about The Rock having? Seen it finally for the first time. Well, firstly, shame.
4: Great shame <laughs> that <though> I haven't <laughs> seen it before because of how much I love Nicolas Cage. And um, I mean, of course, Sean Connery. I mean, big deal Sean Connery is to, you know, us Brits. I mean, I know Scottish, but I just mean he's the whole... He's a
5: big deal. I just think he's a
4: big deal. Well, yeah, no, in general, just in general. But I mean, no, with the I whole it. Bond thing, growing up on Bond, but then being the films that you first saw as a kid are probably James Bond movies. You can sit and watch a film with your dad. And that's what you'd watch is probably a James Bond movie. It's just a great concept, great idea, well executed. You know, you're starting to see the biases. <laughs> I love
2: it. it. comes an Indiana Jones movie, right? There's like <laughs> yes. a, like a mine cart and like yes. these booby yeah, yeah. traps they have that to are get not free. a part yeah. of the
4: Alcatraz at all. He just said, <laughs> "Fuck It's kind it. of one of those movies where you sort of think if you don't like The
2: Rock, what's wrong with you? You
4: you might not be you might not have a pulse. You know, it's like, (laughs) it's like, come on, you know, you can say like, this is the most stupid film I've ever seen. This is ridiculous. That's got nothing to do with film being good or not. You know, this, it's got a great pace to it. And you know what? When you see Sean Connery with the long hair, walking down that corridor, cuffed up in slow motion, you're just like, fucking, let's do this. You're just in.
5: You know, Nicolas Cage is just... He's tapping into what would be the come the cage rage. He is tapping into the, let's cut the chit-chat a-hole. <laughs> He's just like, what? He yeah, comes out of the left fucking field, field yeah. man. That is so beautiful, though. It just comes like, he just helps him get away from talking with his daughter and getting arrested. It's just out of left field. Ed Harris is just fantastic.
1: On fire. He's just so intense. Michael Bean's great. Being William w- Forsythe,
5: yeah. playing a good guy. That shower scene, shower room massacre. Yeah, oh. That's, I mean, course. it's really good. You're like, well, this is uh, really you good. You know what?
4: I mean, it's just, you know, it's pretty much
5: embodies 90s action movie. 90s blockbuster action films you would go sit to but in the summer. But it's top mm-hmm.
4: tier as well. It is it is up. It deserves its reputation mm-hmm. and it deserves to have a criterion. 100% agree with you. Yeah, baby. Yeah. No, 100% so I mean, agree with you. I'm all in. I was in. You know, like I say, I watched, obviously, this is the second film.
5: Yeah, this is the second film yeah. they make. Yeah.
4: I was like, we haven't got to his first film yet, but watching this and I'm just like, this is, yeah, this
5: is just. No, this, this is lightning in a fucking bottle. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
4: If, he did, if every other film Michael Bay made sucked, that wouldn't matter.
5: This is his favorite movie. He has gone on record saying this is his favorite movie that he has directed is The Rock. Yeah.
4: I'm not surprised.
5: And you know what it does? It does what I say a bit is when things aren't being taken seriously, spectacular stuff happens. Yeah. The minute we have to pretend that this is real, it falls apart at the fucking yeah. seams. Sean yeah. Connery owns the screen, but Nicolas Cage holds his own with Sean fucking yeah. Connery. Well, and take even at Harry's.
4: I do take issue with a lot of this Nicolas Cage stuff because I think—not you guys. No, no, I know what you mean.
5: Yeah, I know what you mean. People just shit him. There's a lot of mockery mm-hmm. involved.
4: Yeah. I'm not talking about you guys, but I can I get that vibe a lot. I'm like, look, you're talking about one of the best actors of his generation. Yes. You know, he makes a lot of shit movies. This but guy, but he's the
5: best part in every one of those fucking movies, there you except go. for maybe one or two that I've come across.
4: Nah, not really. He probably he's probably is still best. In yeah, them we too. we've
5: been doing we've been doing the uh, Bruce Willis stuff, and he phones That's a it different in a few. Ball game. Yeah.
4: but you know, so I, I have got I have got a little bit of an issue with all this Nick Oh, I love Nicolas Cage, man. Type shit because so he's like, no, you're just
5: you, you full like of you shit. like the classics, yeah. you, yeah. you like the classics. You haven't got, oh, no, you haven't I got mean, I deep. like the classic. No, no, I'm saying these people, they they yeah, like the classic, they no, don't get anything. Do.
4: I do too, but you know, look,
5: he's on fire at the moment. Get in the fucking weeds, see the USS Indianapolis, get in the fucking weeds. See some of these... <laughs> no, <don't> get, <laughs> yeah, no, no, don't yeah, yeah, but you know what I mean, you know what I'm saying. See Deadfall, my, my, Michael Bean as well. Oh, love him, yeah, <laughs>
4: who is absolutely he's like Nicolas Cage, too. He's always good.
5: And it's unfortunate he never really became more than what he is. He just didn't
4: have the presence,
5: I don't think. But, you know, he's in, like, three movies we've talked about. He's in, what, Aliens? Yeah, yeah. He's in Terminator he's yeah. in the rock. Well,
4: the Abyss as
5: well, he's good in the Abyss, he's good. In, he's good. He's doing some of his alien
2: stuff in this, right? Like, he's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Like, yeah. like, kind of like, yeah. but, And um, I, 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 I love all of that stuff, and yeah, I, to, to Steve's point about this being in the Criterion collection, I think of those kind of 90s actioners, this is like, if anything, and, and, and some of it does come down to, the, I think, the Criterion had just started in the 90s and it's kind of the sales, so they kind of, maybe, on yeah. stuff, but I think if the Criterion Collection are doing what they're saying of, like, stuff that is culturally relevant, this is culturally relevant for the 90s. Do you know what I mean? This is kind Mm -hmm. of, you said it's lightning in a bottle. It kind of captures what 90s cinema is, and it's kind of this dumb, fun action. Like, it's a film that, like, I'm not sure if you've seen, like, there's footage, like, knocking about online. They did the premiere for this film in Alcatraz. In,
5: In Alcatraz, yeah. I've you, you been yeah. to
2: Alcatraz.
4: No, never. I've no, been, been twice.
5: Now, oh, have sh- you been on the underground cart system?
4: No. <laughs> yeah, that's now that's now like a roller coaster. It's, yeah, experience. yeah, like a little, like a
5: little water slide. It's You've nice. A loop, that's a that's a cute. Loop, and then it yeah. goes backwards.
4: It's amazing. It's great. That's sweet. the bit where they start shooting at you, though. That was a bit frightening. Yeah, well, <laughs>
5: yeah. <laughs> but no, as long as you lay down just enough, it, you'll get me. You'll be fine. You'll yeah, be fine. fine. Don't worry about it. He'll yeah, you'll be fine. I hear at the end you get to chase a little green ball and dive. If you catch it, you get to come. For if, free. You if you don't catch it, they shoot your you parents. That happens? Um, yeah. You lose, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, but no,
4: Alcatraz, fascinating place. Those
2: those like, those green balls as well, really great in a dishwasher. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. For <laughs>
5: you, for your yeah, washing machine. <laughs> what you don't realize is the tie pods were created from this Michael Bay movie. We have, I mean, product yeah, I mean, placement. The early condition on even know. In them. Did you know that the
2: condition
5: <laughs> is already in them?
2: So. Did, did Did you know as well that this film there was something in the Chilcot report? in regards to some of the weapons of mass destruction that Iraq had and it basically turned out that somebody had just copied and pasted <laughs> the, the, the description description you know what I've <laughs> heard you know, about that. look, like I said, that that's what that's what that's what uh, Saddam Hussein had, and it turned out to be fucking hokum. <laughs> yeah, I did I
4: did hear about that, but I didn't know it was from this movie. I didn't yeah. know, did know it was from a movie. Because yeah. yeah. you hadn't seen this movie, you <laughs> son of a bitch. It's, it's the oh, yeah, of course. Cool. Well, well no. Yeah, well, no, I still could have read Listen,
5: American movie. intelligence. Get look. the fuck out oh, of here. Listen, hey, you going to question us? We're going to make it up. Oh, over here, America. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Look, we wanted Just... some land. How about this? This fucking movie sent me to Iraq, the sons of bitches. Yeah, there you this yes. fucking movie, this <laughs> fucking know, guy. You've far more Wait. deep personal connection to it than us. That's Clearly. That'll bring us to number... Oh, I'm sorry. You know, before we jump, I should have told us what our ratings were. I had The Rock as my number three. Petro says at his number two. And Steve had it as his number four. Number three. Three
0: bodybuilders with more testosterone than brain cells kidnap and extort a rich douchebag for all he's worth. One of the biggest moron in the group snorts all of his earnings up his nose. This trio of fuck asses takes another crack at the extortion game. But this time around, things get gruesome, gory, and downright asinine based on an unbelievable true story. I'm talking about 2013's Pain and Gain.
5: I'm going to go on record and say this may be The Rock's best performance of his entire career. He is such played against type. This movie, fucking loved it. I, I don't know what it is about this movie we all had it ranked very high as well. Mm-hmm. This was my number four. Petros had it number five, and Steve is his number two. And I remember, I think, sending to you guys in our group message that, wait till you get the painting again. I was like, I think you're going to be surprised with this because I hadn't seen it in a while. You've
4: said that to me on numerous occasions, actually. I think even before we did decided to do this,
5: this is one of those films. This is what has made this fucking journey such a conundrum for me. This has been a roller coaster ride. Some moments, I'm like, this guy's a fucking genius. Other times, I'm like, why the fuck do they keep giving him money? And then other times, I'm like, man, he can sometimes go out of pocket and do things different. And then sometimes he fucking can't. This one and another one we'll talk about, I feel, are two that he sidesteps his normal action genre that he's... Knee deep in. I mean, he hits a home run with this. This is just a fun fucking movie. And the fact that most of this is true. There's a few things, like The Rock's character is a combination of like four other guys who are actually involved in this. Composite
4: character, yeah.
5: Yeah, but it was just so much fun to fucking watch. It's so bizarre. And he did such a great job of making it bizarre. I felt like, it's not in the same vein, but it was like when... what. Oliver Stone did with Natural Born Killers. You're like, what the fuck is happening? How are these things real? You know what I mean? Like when he keeps going through this stuff. Like, how did any of these people get away with some of this shit until they didn't? Mister Smith, your feeling on seeing Pain and Gain? And was I correct in being like, if someone said this was a Michael Bay movie and you never seen, it, be like, there's no fucking way this is a Michael Bay movie, right? Like you walk out of it going, this is a Michael Bay movie. While I was watching this movie,
4: I was convinced. That it was the best film I'd ever seen, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you a perfect double bill: *Pain and Gain* and *Wolf of Wall Street*.
5: Yeah, yeah, what? Both
4: made in the same yeah. year. Yep.
5: Both true stories. But you can't believe yeah, are true
4: story. And both true stories about complete scumbags that you can't believe it happened. And there's a great bit in *Pain and Gain* where a title card comes up on the screen and said. This, this is, is still, still a true, a true story, story.
5: <laughs> when the rock is cooking the hand outside the
4: rock everyone <laughs> is mark Wahlberg is incredible in this yes because he is precisely who he actually is in this i think he is yeah. that meathead to to too
2: far. yeah, yeah yeah
4: yeah yeah um the Rock is sublime in this.
5: I think because Michael Bay directed this, they got screwed on nominations for acting. Quite possibly. Right? Like, I just think that sometimes you you have a, a taint on yourself and the people... You know what I mean? He hey. a taint and you get tainted and people have a stigma and you can't get past that.
2: And the Academy have, have got two films that are kind of dealing with the same kind of moral ambiguity and both films I think came under at the, at the time of release and this is why I think they again to echo your points Steve, that make a perfect double bill is there is people who will watch like both Wolf of Wall Street and Pain and Gain and go like oh this these films are like glorifying these guys and like, I know people take against Pain and Gain like and especially coming from a director like Michael Bay, they'll be like, Oh, he's kind of going, look how cool these guys look. It's like, nah, he just can't help himself in the way he kind of shoots stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's like, I've got bodybuilders.
5: I actually felt that the guys he was, that they, the way they're betraying were guys who actually thought they were doing right. Like, like, Wolf of Wall Idiot. Street knew they knew they that, were ripping people off. And knew not necessarily they, they, were think they're right, they just people. feel
4: like they're entitled.
5: Yeah. It's their sense of entitlement. It's not that. Well, it's, it's the old American adage of like, if he's the bad guy, then they're the good guys. They see the douchebag as a bad guy. Why should he have the money when I'm a good person? You know, they, yeah. they believe yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. a good person. Just, I deserve what they, they the have, sense not of them. The
4: Rock on Coke is just one of the best <laughs> things I think I've ever seen. <laughs> He's either a um, coke or Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Mackie with his cock problem. I just, I, where do you where do you begin even describing this film to someone mm-hmm. other than just to say, just watch it? Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I couldn't believe it. And um, like I say, while I was watching, I was like, this is just the best thing ever. And this is coming from someone who I was like, you know, I've obviously seen the Bad Boys movies and The Rock by now, and I'm just thinking, this Ma- this Michael Bay guy, I mean, this is, he's firing on all cylinders in this, and the story is batshit crazy. Everyone is going all out on this.
2: Tony Shalhoub is mm. like, uh, firing uh, he's firing on
4: cylinders. He's another one, he's another character actor, isn't he? He's just, constantly—he's
5: always always delivers. He's a great actor. And then um, Ed Harris shows up midway through towards the end, and you're like, oh shit, yeah, Ed, Ed Harris, Harris is in this, and he's... So much more subdued than his rock. Well, that's the, one, but he's so great.
4: Well, it. that's the thing, you know. You can't say he's a ham. He's a, che- a scenery chewer because he, he's just he knows what is required of him. You know, he's a he's a genius. Um, but yeah, I, I I could just all I'm gonna I'll just keep saying how much I loved it. So
5: <laughs> I just loved it, Petros.
2: Well, yeah, I just I remember seeing this at the cinema with an ex girlfriend of mine. And it being like one of those like really polarizing experiences, you know, like where she definitely had those that that like <laughs> thought in her head when I like kind of extolled how much I liked it. She's like, I don't know if this is the right guy for me. Do you know what I mean? Like,
5: this is just <laughs> well, I think you found out she wasn't the right girl for you, yeah. yeah well, yeah, yeah. I, 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 did, I did
2: a bit later on, but like, you know what I mean, I'm like, ah, yeah, sickos, yeah, like this is fun. Like, and the thing is, you just got to look at the cast to know that it is. It's a really dark comedy and that's what I liked yeah. about it. I, I said to a friend of mine, it's it is like Michael Bay doing Martin Scorsese, basically. Oh, I like, thought
5: it was Michael Bay doing the Cohen brothers on cocaine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. I, I guess I was redundant. I could have just said Michael Bay doing the Cohen Brothers and you got the <laughs> idea. Yeah. <laughs> I
4: was when I wrote when I was gonna write my notes for
5: this. You were on cocaine?
4: Yeah. Yeah. No, um I just thought the most gratuitous moment. I wrote all of it. <laughs> just, and literally what I've got in front of me on my phone. All of it.
2: Yeah, like there's like slow motion spit coming out of people's mouths. Well, I've just got p- that.
4: Yeah, that was another one of my notes. Was that, was um, getting tasered in the face.
5: Yes, in slow mo, phenomenal. Yeah, that was the- yes. But the rocks attempted robbery and escape. I had that as my best action sequence. That was oh. fucking insanity. Insanity, <laughs> yeah. what makes him such a confuddling person is this yeah, movie yeah. is one of those movies you go, but Good for this him, is so good that good you go, Why can't you, you do more yeah, of this? Yeah,
4: you can't write at this point already, you cannot write Michael Bayoff. As no, and he, no,
5: as, and, and when I saw this, one, I was like, All right, I, there's no way I'll okay. ever say painting and gain and horseshit artists ever again because if only painting gain was, comes, yeah,
4: yeah. if only, like I said, if all he ever did was The Rock, you'd think the guy was he, at least he did that, he was a then comes back, you know, then comes this. then so you know' we're, we're seeing a lot, a lot of things happening here. That's fireworks ago were going off. And I was, like I say, I was just in love with this film.
2: Well, it comes at a point in his career, right? In the fact that, like, he'd done three Transformers movies before
5: this. This is his Wahlberg era, as I like to call it. He had his Lebouf era for three Transformers. And then he gets into a Wahlberg era where he does this and two Transformers for Wahlberg. It's like, he has, like, these well, yeah. eras where he's got, like, yeah, Willis yeah. and Affleck early, Shy Labouf in the middle, and Wahlberg towards the end. And you're like, all right, these are his guys. This is, yeah, loads of people were, like,
2: confounded by the fact that, like, this is what Michael Bay does as like a one for me. And it's like, yeah, it's like you can see it's the, like you can very much see it's the same director. He's like stepping right back into the kind of bad boys 2 mm-hmm. kind of. You know what I mean, like you can see they, like they are the same director like 100% they've kind of both got that garish use of light again they both got that kind of like portraying these very morally ambiguous characters that like are you supposed to root for and like they, they, I I think the whole career makes this one like I can understand why people take against this film but at the same time I I love it because you look at the cast and you go it's a comedy do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. you've got Wilson in there, you got Ken Yong. Like, it's just like the, the people he's littering it with. You've got, you know, you've got missed. Peter Stromer with like a great kind of like cameo as the doctor who's like, kind of like pulls out. He's like, don't worry, I have the cock working in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of like, sleazy doctor. And it's just like everyone's firing on all cylinders to just be like, right, this is just like Miami sleaze. Again, yeah, it's kind of back in a place that like I think Michael Bay is the director of. Miami, right? If he he were a place, it's Miami. It's kind of bright lights. It's a bit dingy. It's a bit grubby. Thank (laughs) God he made this.
5: And it's that movie that you watch, and he doesn't do, there's not a lot of action in this movie. He's an action (laughs) director who was able to step out of his comfort zone and make a great film Without it. And it's what will, as we get further down, because look, we're at the top right now. Mm. We're descending. And we'll, we'll get into decisions of why we think that these trajectories happened. You know, we'll, we'll yeah, talk yeah. about it as we get to those parts. Number four
0: giant robots from space that are more than meet the eye crash land on Earth and destroy everything in their fucking path in cool slow motion. All while that teenage boy runs around screaming as he desperately tries to save the world and fuck one of his classmates who seductively poses next to expensive cars while explosions pop off all around them. I'm talking about 2007's Transformers.
2: My boy, Sorry, I had to do that.
5: <laughs> now, I'm the outlier here. I'm the outlier because I'm the one... This was my number one film, and I'm gonna explain. Petros had it at six, Steve, you had it at ten. I feel that of all the stuff that... Michael Bay is. All his tropes, all his everything. There has not been a series where he is able to do that and you just be able to go, you know what? We're talking about robots from space. Like You don't have to go in thinking, oh, I wonder if this is gonna have some kind of deep meaning. One, probably because I'm a child of the 80s and I don't know if the Transformers landed big in the UK and Europe in the 80s in the cartoons. I don't know where Transformers is in the realm of pop culture for you in America. Huge. Getting the toys. It was fucking awesome. This has an amazing cast, and since we do a podcast called The Dropping of Bruce, available wherever you find your podcast, we did a movie with Mr. Josh Duhamel, who happened to happen between these movies that he's done with Transformers. In that episode, we said Duhamel can't be an action star for shit. Yet in these movies, he showed us differently. So I was kind of like sitting there going, the fuck, Duhamel? Fire with fire? The fuck? You can't be an action star in this fucking film? What the fuck, bro? You're doing oh, no. it here? I know. Right? I even texted you, I go, wait till you see him in Transformers. i like, what the fuck? We were fucking robbed. And now when I find you, Hamill, he's getting punched in the throat. He no, fucking no, robbed no, I'm gonna us. i wear my T-shirt with pride, <laughs> do him for present,
4: is what I'm saying. He's the, he's the one consistent
5: thing for it, that whole piece of shit series of movies. I love Shia LaBeouf in this. Well, LaBeouf. Booth. Shia LaBeouf's parents, fucking amazing. Kevin Dunn, I forget oh, his mom's Kevin name. Kevin Dunn. Fucking yeah. amazing. This is what he, in my opinion, does best. What he does best is crazy action, fun sit-down, you don't have to think about it. I think this is where he actually excels with his action, is in the Transformers. Now, I know as we go through them, they'll probably fall down the list. But the reason I like the Transformers the most is this is the most Michael Bay, Michael Bay movie. The slow-mo in it is cool because he can do it with robots transforming, so it's so fucking cool when they have their moments of fighting. He can destroy shit, and we don't care because... It's a fucking sci fi movie. We don't have to have our brains on for it. He gets great acting. I think Shia LaBouffe is a very underrated actor who, unfortunately, because of some of his outside stuff, gets some, you know, people don't like him. But if anyone's seen the movie Fury, the tank movie with uh, Brad Pitt, he's spectacular in that film, as that film is. So for me, I really, really, really enjoyed Transformers. I, you know, I got to take my young son to it. It was better than I ever thought it was gonna be. And he was the perfect person to bring the cartoon in that world to life. Again, like you said, he doesn't write these. Some of the people still do write them, and a lot of the stuff, as we'll get into them, though, people trash about Transformers is about the plot. Look, there's one thing Michael Bay's not a whole lot worried about. It's fucking plot, all right? The man is not always concerned about if the plot has holes in it, because there's every movie we've gone through, every one of them has a hole in it, except for maybe some of the true story ones. For instance, in The Rock, Nick Cage dies. Nick Cage does not survive that missile. They don't call in three seconds if the plane's coming in to stop the missile. Nick Cage is obliterated. The island is destroyed, it. but it's okay because we got to save him. We got to have this win. So if we're gonna pick, well, none of it and, would have happened. No, so. but I'm just That's saying, something. like you know, like so, like when some people are like, like you, you always tell me, it's an action movie. You're right. Like it's an like Transformers is the ultimate sci-fi action movie that you don't have to think about. And if you're not a fan of Transformers as a kid, it may not. Land for you as an adult, so Mr. Petro, you're up first on this time. Your feelings on Transformers, this movie, not the rest of us. We get down the way. This movie in particular. Yeah, it's
2: it's 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 fun, and some of some some of my enjoyment to it comes from. And I think like what what you're skating around here, Scott, is like a nostalgia. Do you know what I mean? I would have mm-hmm. been I would have been in my teens when this came out. This would have been, and th- I would have seen this at the time before every movie is now this. Do you know what I mean like? Yes. I think this paves the way to what the MCU good or Bad. Yeah. <laughs> bad. I'm happy. <laughs> so, but like, it's the template, right? And it's like, obviously, Iron Man kicks off the MCU. But then, like, what was good about that is it was new, it was interesting, it was different for like a kind of superhero movie. And then th- this is like, it's a, it's an IP-driven movie in regards to the Transformers. And yeah, it's. It's fun. Like I, I remember I think I'm like the same age as Shiloh Booth. So like or thereabouts. And like I remember being like, Yeah, like this this slaps, it's funny. It's like even rewatching it, I was like, This is dumb, it's stupid, but like it, it is it, it does what it says on the tin, right? It's a Transformers movie.
3: Mm-hmm
5: mega fox was hot in that movie i'm she just jesus christ <laughs> holy shit she really i was like god damn it what i will say I, is I, was would, on- I would i would i would go rushing into traffic with her too i mean what am i talking about here i'll do jail time for a piece of that
4: jesus <laughs> oh, <geez>. uh,
2: <laughs> what i will say is it was on tv earlier and i i, I like i put it on because I was like flipping the channels and my son watched a little bit of it and just turned around to me maybe about five, ten minutes in and went, I don't like it, Dada. Oh, like, really?
5: Well, I, that, I mean, it makes sense. You know, I mean, like, it, it's it, it's definitely... Everyone's a, a critic. Yeah, he's four as well. Like, Get, like When he's when he's eight or nine, he's going to have a whole different appreciation of that film. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, I think he's... When he's I 12. He's, be careful when he's 12. He's right. on a high intellectual level. <laughs> <when> <laughs> Excuse me, Dada, can you put on... <laughs> <Yeah>. He wants to see
3: attempt. that's what he... <laughs> what he
2: He's, he's a young gentleman who went to the cinema to see Marcel the show with shoes on. So he's sent really? an A24 film in
5: the wow. cinema. Wow. He's Just one so, of those already. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dada, this doesn't yeah, like have A24 vibes. No, he had his little, no uh, little,
4: little monocle in him.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no exactly. he's, he's, his little tablet uh, with a pencil. Spec. <laughs> Dad, he's, got, you, he's got his own blog. <laughs> yeah, do you, do you do you know what Mark
2: Commode said about
5: this film? I'm, I'm very
2: interested to know. <laughs> he was he wasn't impressed with the Miz on Sen, was he? <laughs> no, 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 It's too loud for me, Dada. It's too too much crashing and banging, please. Can we put on something a bit more aesthetically pleasing for my <laughs> uh,
5: good lord? Mr. Smith, your your feelings, and I know you're not a huge fan. Did you First off, did you even like the Transformers as a cartoon slash toy when you were growing up? Or did that not land in I the UK like it did here in America? Because it was big in America and Japan,
1: obviously, was huge. Yeah.
4: Well, I think it was, I may have probably been maybe two, three years too old. Okay. Maybe you were the right age. I eight. get what you're
1: saying. I get what you're saying, yep. And I think
4: I was just, just the wrong side of that. So it didn't, the nostalgia's not there for me. I get I'm really, really same with that. God. This is—it's literally. I just—I thought it was poor. Okay, Shia LaBeouf. I'm—I like the guy. I know he—he's had his problems, but I like the guy. Fuck it. We're
5: grown-ups. We can separate art from the artist.
4: Yeah. No. I just—I like that he, you
5: know, what he did. No. Well, Man. Was... Oh,
4: I'm just saying. Listen. <laughs> I, I thought it Good was quite poor. Good thing I edited co- this. <laughs> yeah. You might have to. But you know, you always have to. Come on, <laughs> always have to. <laughs> <laughs> I like saying this shit, so you have to um, spend time. There There's times
5: I've seen. It, I go, you motherfucker. Having a little giggle, though. The, uh, I'll just say the Nickelodeon <laughs> thing you did to me the couple of episodes back. Do <laughs> oh, you remember? Anyway, you son of a anyway, bitch. Right, forget right, that. Forget that.
4: I just thought it was a, was poor. It was a mishmash of Jurassic Park and Gremlins. Really, is what all I could think when I'm watching it. Um, <laughs> so you know, I'm like. I think, as, I think as you were talking about earlier, special effects wise, I mean, we're talking top tier things. And now CGI is now at that point where, you know, it really is top notch, really. I mean, you know, visually, some of the set pieces and the visuals.
5: I think the
4: CGI in these films hold up. Absolutely. Well, I saw in, I was watching an interview with Michael Bay and he was talking about CGI. And he said, the thing that lets CGI down is the lighting. said that is the key to good cgi and watching especially these transformers movies one thing i would say about all of them is the cgi is impeccable yes
5: i agree with you i'm seeing
4: things i've never seen before Mm -hmm. done in a way
2: that you cannot pick apart so when it feels like it's on real locations as well they're slotted into
4: absolutely yeah this is for me where i yeah no wonder i don't didn't watch Michael Bay movies because this really isn't my kind of movie. And when people say things like, um, you can just turn your brain off to this sort you know, it's like, well, there are good sci-fi movies that are fun where mm-hmm. you don't have to turn your brain off. That's kind of like that thing when people, when you pick a film apart and someone says, oh, it's just a bubblegum pop, you know, it's just a popcorn movie. You just don't have to think. And I'm like, Razor's the Lost Ark was one of those movies. Jaws is one of those movies. Aliens is one of those movies. Back to the Future is one of those movies. Ghostbusters is one of them movies. And they're not fucking stupid shit where you turn your brain off. So it's just a direction that film went where spectacle was all that really mattered. Fortunately, no one is better at spectacle than Michael Bay. <laughs> That's true. So I'll give him that. That's what... But the only reason, you know, I'll give it props because of that. Because you can't you know, you can't argue with the, the visuals. Sheila Booth is a great lead, you know. Um, so yeah, not for me. I wouldn't have it in my top five. On rewatch, like,
2: Shia LaBeouf is, is a confusing character because he's supposed to be, like, a nerd. nerd, but then he's also, like, really fucking confident and, like, he's got this kind of, like, bubbling aggression to him. He's got that swagger. Yeah. He's yeah, got his kind of swagger it's, to like, him. <laughs> the film is a bit confusing, like, what they want him to be, whether they want him to be, like, this kind of, like, heroic action hero or, like, some kind of put-upon nerd. And then, like, the way he kind of, like, deals with people, like like John Turturro's character and stuff like that. He's like, yeah, and yeah, and yeah, have some of that. Like, he's just like really like, <laughs> like he's letting he get, he's like, throughout the film, yeah, we'll get into him as we go, but he, he, he seems to get progressively more aggressive. as. The, I mean, as he the, is
4: wearing a, the Strokes T-shirt as well. Yeah, so he's that, that's where they trying to play like... music, So, you know, he's <laughs> kind of like, I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. Because um, he has got that kind, there is a, he's got that confident swagger to him where you kind of think that's not the guy I'm being sold here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then he's uh, kind um, of stepping up to the plate, isn't he? He's like, I want to be a leading man. I want to be cool as fuck. I'm above shit like this. I want to be... So there's this inner struggle.
2: Like, your your, 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 uh, Gremlins comp is perfect in the fact of, like, what we need is, like, a Zach Galligan in this role. Do you know what I mean? Like, a kind of, like, really sweet put-upon. And, like, what we kind of get is, like, we're, we're kind of sold it like we're getting that. Yeah, and then the wheels just come off, and it's like that's not at all.
4: <laughs> it's like the arc of the character is kind of reached almost immediately. Yeah, 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 like by the
5: end of the film, he's. I feel like Cheryl LeBouf's doing his best, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> 100%. Possible. Yeah, possible. Yeah, like, he is, he like is so guy, erratic all over the yeah. place like, at moments. It feels like, I mean, it feels like a Nicolas Cage role sometimes. I don't yeah, mean in um, a, as a slight, it just has a very frenetic role.
4: Yeah, with Gremlins, of course, with Zach gout, he becomes heroic by the end. And, you know, whereas in this, yeah, Shia LaBeouf has been sold as a nerd. And then within five minutes, he's kicking ass, (laughs) sort of, not quite, not quite. But he's quickly there. I know what you mean. He's quickly there. He has
5: confidence. He exudes confidence. Yeah, yeah, which is
4: not, which should be hard to swallow at that point.
2: But like a real nerd wouldn't be, like when he's in the car
5: with Megan Fox,
2: Megan Fox you wouldn't head. even think about trying moves. Like when he's like going like, oh yeah, I put in that. Uh, right? yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that is like, that is like a jock's idea of like, oh yeah, that's what that's, that's what, what a jock would do. That's what a jock would
5: do to be like. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, he does it because he thinks no... that's what she wants as a jock. So he's trying to be his best jock. I'm being a bit nerdy here. Uh, but yeah, but like, he's so he far removed know. from
4: being a jock, isn't he, that. That, yeah. that does I mean that's believe me, that's my, that's a that's a nitpick.
3: That that's yeah, not my issue with the movie. That's all,
2: I'm all about, is hitting those nitpicks and destroying
5: things that people love.
3: Yeah, yeah. Oh. But, um...
1: <laughs> I got one for you coming up, sweet cheeks.
5: Oh. Coming up. Boom. Anyways, <laughs> that'll take us to our fifth and final in the top five. Number five. <laughs>
0: Two loose cannon cuffs, one that's a chick magnet, and the other whose wife won't give him any bedroom action. Break all rules, but get results, Damn it! As they drive around in cool cars, shoot guns in slow motion, and make quip after quip. All while taking down a drug bin, as shit is constantly blowing up all around them. Take your Miranda rights and habeas corpus and shove them up your ass, because these bad boys don't have time for your laws. I'm talking about 1995's
5: Bad Boys. Mr. Bay's very first film. Now... Our ratings are as follows. I had it as number seven. Petra says number nine. And Steve had this as his number one movie. I think it's because it's the one he can remember the most. He is old. He saw it first. (laughs) He's like, I'm in. This is the one. This is the one that's my number one. I remember this one. I saw it first. (laughs) (laughs) It's the most fresh in my mind. I don't remember anything else. Oh. Oh, that's what I love about this show. Anywho, Mr. Smith... You curmudgeonly son of a bitch. What is your love for bad boys? As you saw this, as I said, we did a chronological. So this was your first experience outside of the 13 hours. And you liked it enough that you put it as your number one. So what was it about bad boys that really endeared it to you?
4: Okay. Well, firstly, and up until two weeks ago, I didn't own a Michael Bay movie. Oh, my.
5: Here it comes.
4: Sat up on my shelf. And- <laughs> Is a 4K special edition
5: of Bad Boys. Did you at least get the double? You what? It was at least a double, like you got the two for the the Bad Boys one and two, or no? To
4: be fair, I hadn't. I seen just. Two I, was, yet? Gotcha. I hadn't seen two yet, and I just was watching it, and I was just like, I love this movie. I need this movie in my collection. Did you, you do the same I for loved, Pain and Gain? Not yet.
3: Not
5: yet.
4: Not yet, because I'm not sure I need to own that one, but. I'm not sure Folks, yet, this all. is Steve Smith in a nutshell, if you haven't noticed.
5: Every, I... It may be the greatest movie I've ever seen. I don't well, know if I, know I need to own that one, know it wasn't the best no. movie I've ever seen. I, know, but I was you're... high on coke at the time. Jesus. That's what I love about you, I though. just hacked
4: someone's <laughs> hands off, and I tasered my old man in the face. So, you know, come on. Um, but I love buddy cop movies. And for me, this was a classic example of why they're great. The chemistry between Martin Lawrence and Will Smith is perfect. Will Smith wasn't Will Smith yet. No, I no. actually feel like it's more Martin Lawrence's movie than Will Smith's. 100 And I think that works in his favour. I just think it did everything right. It's quite small scale in comparison to all his other movies, but I, am, am I right?
2: He was 26 when he made this. Ben? Doesn't that
4: just make yeah. you feel like a complete Crazy. fucking failure? <laughs>
2: Well yeah, I that, think, that, that and Paul Thomas Anderson made boogie nights at twenty seven. Yeah.
4: I know,
5: disgraceful, isn't it? But um, I just I, <laughs> I mean, just loved... son's making one next week, so get, you know what the fuck are <laughs> you talking <laughs> about? He's like, hey, Dad, oh I think I better. <laughs> me, I'm busy. Come on.
4: Yeah. You know, the whole um, it's elevated by the kind of the, they, that they have to switch characters and martin lawrence as martin lawrence has to pretend to be will smith it's the most even, ridiculous like, he, thing ever it just makes me laugh that he's even trying to put a voice on the phone to a woman who's never spoke to him before and joey pants is like slapping him around the back of the head it's just got this total fun vibe to it the action is minimal really for michael Bay. yeah
5: oh yeah yeah for yeah like it's, isn't action, it amazing so to go could... from there to like the lat? you're like
3: Holy I shit. He's yeah, like restrained. But the, <laughs>
4: yeah, but the um the, like the end shoot out at the airport hangar thing yeah. is full yeah. on explosive action, but done so well.
5: Which he paid his own money for. The theater the, the movie company did not want to do it. He paid twenty five thousand dollars of his own money to make that end happen. They did not want it to be as grandiose as he got it. Yeah. Well so that's I mean, I off to him for that in his first yeah, movie absolutely. Saying, Fuck it, We're um, doing this.
4: Like I say, I would put this up up there with all the great body cop action. The reason I like this more than Bad Boys Two is because this one's just a bit more contained and like Bad Boy Two, Bad Boys Two, like it's more of a Will Smith. It's now he's got that kind of like I can do what the fuck I like. And it becomes it is a more extreme film, Bad Boys Two. And I don't think that doesn't make it better for me. That's right. Um it's fucking great. You know, don't get me... Well, I don't like Bad Boys 2. I like Bad Boys <laughs> Well, Well, mm-hmm. Bad Boys just,
5: 1 is A24. <laughs> I'm just saying, Bad Boys yeah, 2 is neon. You know, you're moving exactly. on. You yeah, no,
4: there's just something... There is just a simplicity to it, but but it does things... It's, it's actually quite original in a way because it does the character switch thing, and um, Will Smith's kind of like you know, sidelined a bit. And because Martin Lawrence was no slouch. I mean, the, the whole Def Jam comedy thing, he was... Oh,
5: yeah, no, he was the upper gunner. You know, Absolutely. he had his own
4: thing going on and he deserved...
2: This
5: is post-Martin, right? So he had his own... Oh well, this is also... I. We can't afford Eddie Murphy. We've got possibly the next best thing, because Chris Rock wasn't yeah. anything yet. You know, all these and up-and-comers. If we're wrong, Dave Chappelle was got, nobody Yeah, and, and at if the we're time. wrong,
4: we've got two of them.
5: Yes, because Will Smith is bankable because of the Fresh Prince. Yeah,
4: but he's quite yeah. good in it. Yeah. I'm not,
5: I'm not oh, saying Oh, no, no, I know what you mean, but yeah, no. I, mean, I, mean, I, mean, I they, don't like yeah.
4: Will Smith personally, but he's good in this, but well, he's keep good keep his fucking
5: wife's name out of your mouth and you won't have fucking problems with him. Uh, Simple. Simple rules to follow, my friend. You bald bitch over here. You're talking to her and me, you (laughs) cocksucker.
3: Hey, I think uh, Petros is
5: there too now. He's got a hat on. I'm not far behind you, mate. I'm I'm not far behind you. I'm wearing a wig.
4: But Yeah, so Will Smith's not Will Smith yet. Martin Lawrence is great. Tia Leone, is her name Tia Leone? Mm-hmm. She she's hot, fun. but she's,
1: she's useless. She's
4: hot, but she's good. As, she's not just eye candy. No, I know you she's mean. kind you of, She kind of gets her own moments to shine as well. Mm-hmm. And most of the great action stuff, like I say, Martin Lawrence is kind of, you know, he's, he's fucking giving it the, he's going all out. So, yeah, for me, it's just a perfect example. Probably one of the last great buddy cop action movies until... Yeah. until i would say until I, would, I mean i'm sure i've forgotten one the nice guys yeah, that's where i was headed with the yeah. nice guys but this can sit proudly a lot you know you could ease you could watch bad boys with lethal weapon you know and you are uh, yeah yeah was uh, the whole thing the whole thing yeah. oh yeah no I just yeah, loved it, it's it. in the I, like mm-hmm. i say i can't buy every film i like um, which is why i haven't bought pain and gain and the rock yet and bad boys 2 maybe but you know, I'm you got but I like the OG. I like the like it's the original, it's his first movie, you know, it's a confident movie, it's a successful movie, it ticks the boxes. So for me, I do think that's his best movie. Because it's got that small scale, but it's got
5: that confident vibe. Gotcha. I think what makes the two movies that we have picked as our number ones, they both are in a wheelhouse that we are comfortable with. You grew up loving buddy cop films, which is why this Absolutely. really lands for you. Yeah. I was a huge fan of Transformers. I love the out of the blue fucking craziness of the robots. coming. Like I fucking was in love with this being on screen and, and how, like you said, the CGI was so well done. And then they got the guy who actually plays Optimus Prime to be Optimus Prime. You're like, I'm fucking in as a Transformer fan. So there is a lot sometimes, and I think we've had this discussion, which is why we started to change how our podcast is, where we've had a discussion about... We'll just quickly say Oppenheimer. Well, we think it is a bona fide masterpiece, but it's not our favorite Chris Nolan movie. And I think there's things about that where I think the love of something for you can out trump what, you know, what everyone else is saying about it. Someone could say, like, oh, it's got all this stuff. Like for me, Pulp Fiction is always my favorite Tarantino movie. It may not be as good as some of the other movies he's made but for me it's got it it be because to of, you. There's a nostalgia there is a sentimental thing yeah. to me if it doesn't that it mean something me so special to you be. and i think that it. that's the thing yeah you no, know, greg and that's yeah. why i think we all like the pain and gain because it was just something you're like this is just this is different territory like it's insane and if you watch yeah. it in chronological order what's is like number 11 you know what i mean that's you've right. already watched yeah, yeah, 10 yeah, films yeah, yeah. and that's when, like this pops up and you're like Where the fuck did, where was this? You You know what I mean? Like, where was this earlier? This came out of fucking left field, so yeah, I agree with you. But Mr. Petros, you're feeling I'm bad boys.
2: I I love the fact that it's a film that just kind of gets straight to it. Like, it kind of, it it does, like, character introductions by just, like, seeing them hang out and stuff like that. It's not like guy's in an office. Like, they're just in a car and they're kind of, the film just starts going. Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and like it's it's always great to see like people that you love like pop up in stuff as well. Like Michael and PO Lee turns up as like some kind of like guy, tire like, salesman. <laughs> yeah, 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 put Upon guy who they're like trying to get info from and stuff like that. Uh, Joey Pants again, like is he's great in this one as well. He is. Yeah, no, I I I really like it. I just there is something when it comes to Michael Bay films. I think because it is like the, the 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 bombast and the kind of the trashiness, whether like it's intentional or not, is something that I kind of get a bit more out of. And I think like the fact that this is a bit more subdued, and I think it's the point we've all been talking about, right, is what you come for, for a Michael Bay film. This falls at number nine for me, just because I
5: just like. I'm in the same camp as you. Not that I hate it. For me, Martin Lawrence was too much. I felt he was trying too hard to be funny. And the funny thing is, is here where here's what Steve and I, and this is why I love this why I love doing the podcast with you, is we both have very similar things, but then we both so like for you, turning off your brain for Transformers, like I don't need to do that. For me, you have to turn off your brain for for Bad Boys. The plot is absolutely fucking ridiculous. That makes no sense. Like, like a there's no the connection. What are you there talking is about? no need. There is no need. You're right. I'm sorry. I I, I do apologize. It is. The, I mean, it is uh, the. Yeah. No, just, but yeah, there's, like, the, like the, the plot, like, like, there's no need <laughs> hey. for them to have to pretend to be each other when they're fucking cops. They can literally do, they're shooting anyone they want, they can literally say, look, bitch, you are now a witness, doesn't matter if you want to be, this is who it is, this is what we're going to fucking do. Like, and then he goes back to his house, because think think Mike's fucking, is, like, there is stuff that they try to blow this fucking investigation every step of the fucking way. But every that's step. A, that's but I know, I, I get no, it, but this is why I liked uh, number two better, it's because, you know, obviously this is their introduction, which... I enjoy. Like, don't get me wrong. I was there. I was there opening night for this fucking I thing in '95, and it was fantastic. And I loved it back then. I mean, I was like 21 years old, Um or 20 years old, and then so so I enjoyed it. But as time has gone, I mean, Bad Boys 2 is, uh, in my, just my opinion, so far better than this. And I like their dynamic better, and I like the story better. This one was just kind of like, you know what he did. He leaned, because it's just first, he leaned heavily on a lot of the tropes from what he saw in the 80s, right? So he really leaned on the buddy cops of the 80s. By the time he gets eight years down the road and he does the sequel, he now is in control of how he wants to direct it and how he wants this, these characters to turn out. And we're not as slapsticky as we are in this film, in my opinion.
4: I oh, see. I think the second one's more slapsticky.
5: See, that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, that's like maybe. the... But, but, but like Martin um, Lawrence is losing his mind in this thing like every five seconds it feels like like after a while it's like just someone shoot Martin Lawrence well, no, this there is, was a moment it, I was yeah I mean shoot Martin Lawrence but again it's your taste but like I yeah, said, yeah, it's absolutely. just the taste
4: yeah it's, it's just sort of like I think you know it's a genre movie so there's going to be tropey yeah you know oh, yeah, yeah but but that's by the time he gets to the second one it's the Will Smith show and everything's not better it's bigger but that's all I'm going to say because quite frankly I'm not sure. If I would watch the the first one without watching the second one, no,
5: that's fair. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, that's fair. Kind of
4: like, why wouldn't you watch? Them you both? can
5: bypass the third one because Bay does not direct it, no, and I you know. can tell. Yeah, I and, and, and I know I'm, this is weird to say again on this I was podcast because i shit on them, It hurts. It, it hurts. See, it. I was don't, kind of don't disappointed because I
4: thought, oh, I was going to get three Bad Boys movies, but I couldn't yeah. watch it in, in a way. I couldn't watch it. But
5: Petros, do you have any more to say on Bad Boys? No,
2: I just think yeah, I think, I think it's got some great stuff in there. I never knew that, like ether was so flammable and like my kind of uh, the 90s did big for ether right the my 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 knowledge of ether is it's really flammable or can get you really fucked up from fear and loathing
5: so ether (laughs) of the 90s (laughs) is the quicksand of the 80s like so, for, in the movies of the '80s, quicksand was everywhere. It was a danger. You had to be careful if you walked outside into the woods somewhere. It doesn't matter what kind of terrain it was, quicksand was waiting for you. So the ether of the '90s was what quicksand is for you. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so there you have it, the good from Michael Bay's filmography. And now we must say goodbye to Mr. Pat Silvis until next month, as it is now time for Steve and I to induct four more films into our illustrious top 100 films of all time.
0: The Cheeky Bastard's Top 100
5: Films of All Time. Mr. Smith, now that we have casted off Mr. Petros, it is time for us to induct four more. And it's not just any four. We are inducting number 47 through number 50. We are reaching number 50 today on our inaugural episode of Season 2. We will eventually reach 100, I do believe I did the math, on our second episode of Season 3. If we are lucky enough to survive the heating of the world and make it all the way to Season 3. You, my friend, will take us out the gate with your number 47 entry into our top 100 films of all time.
4: Okay, here we go. Well, we've just spent, you know, 90 minutes or so, I guess, in the Hollywood glitch. <laughs> but now it's time to get dirty, down and doedy. So we're going to go for Cannibal Holocaust, directed by Ruggero Diodato in 1980. Now, Cannibal Holocaust is a 1980 Italian cannibal film. Directed by Reguero Diodato, it stars porn actor Robert Kerman as Harold Monroe, an anthropologist who leads a rescue team into the Amazon rainforest to locate a crew of filmmakers that have gone missing while filming a documentary on local cannibal tribes. Eventually, Monroe returns to the United States with film canisters that, after some editing, reveal the shocking fate of the film crew he was initially hired to find and bring home. Now, it was produced as part of the cannibal, the contemporary cannibal trend, which, you know, I don't know if there was another alternative cannibal trend, <laughs> of Italian exploitation cinema. Cannibal Holocaust was inspired by Italian media coverage of terrorism. Diodato believed many news reports to be staged, an idea which became an integral aspect of the film's story. Additionally, other story elements were influenced by the Mondo documentaries, which were very popular at the time, particularly the presentation of the documentary Cruiser Lost footage, which constitutes approximately half of the film. Now, the treatment of this footage, which is noted for its visual realism, innovated the found footage style of filmmaking that was later popularized in American cinema by the Blair Witch Project. Cannibal Holocaust was filmed primarily on location in the Amazon rainforest of Colombia, with a cast of indigenous tribes interacting with mostly inexperienced, American and Italian actors recruited in New York City. So we're talking about a, a rough and ready bit of grindhouse there, <laughs> which is not for everyone, especially... Um, well, we need to address the elephant in the room
5: of animal cruelty. Oh, I thought you were going to address the animal in the room being a porn actor pretending to be an anthropologist. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> a porn actor pretending to be Indiana Jones. Indiana Bones. Oh, they messed up. I'll
4: be honest with you. I don't think many people will be familiar with the work of Mr. Kerman. Um, Maybe they are. Maybe they are. There's some animal cruelty in this movie, um, which is kind of hard to sit through, hard to stomach. But fortunately, there's two pretty major releases of this film. Grindhouse Releasing in America released it. That was a company started off by Sylvester Stallone's late son, Sage. And in a UK company called 88 Films. Now, they've both released an animal cruelty-free version. Of the film which is my preferred version to sit through because it's uh it's tough stuff what well, you know there's no excuse for it really but these were you can't say these were different times because you know there was never a time when that was acceptable although at the same time if you're a fan of american westerns you know practically every film before every western before 1974 was probably you know uh all them anim- all them horses being made to fall over I'd say ninety percent of them were shot afterwards because of their that would have broke their limbs. But um, it's a fantastic film. You know, I watched this for years as a kid, and I watched a horrible ropey, you know, fifth-generation VHS. And it's only now that you can see it in like you know Blu-ray 4K quality, you actually can you actually realise that it's a pretty stellar movie in its own right. Not only is it one of the best horror films of all time, it's very notorious and controversial it's spoken of in a much higher regard than it used to be. And fortunately, this is no longer just a video nasty. It's a, a masterpiece of its kind. And now resides in the Cheeky Bastards top 100 films of all time.
5: I thank you. Number 47 is in. Woo! Woo. That brings us to number 48. And I started off last year. I had only one... Tarantino directed film Well, guess what, motherfuckers? I bet you thought I would have more. Suck on these nuts as we're now going to get into a second one right now, and that is 2009's *Inglorious Bastards. Woo. Directed by Quentin Tarantino, this cinematic masterpiece defies the conventional war movie norms with its signature Tarantino style. This film is a unique blend of history, dark humor, and intense action that keeps audiences on the edge of their seats from start to finish. With its stellar cast led by Brad Pitt, as the charismatic and unapologetic leader of the Bastards, Lieutenant Aldo Raine, and Christoph Waltz, who delivered an Oscar-winning performance as the cunning and menacing Colonel Hans Landa. These two characters leave an indelible mark on the film. As per usual, Tarantino's sharp and witty dialogue shines throughout, adding layers of tension and intrigue to the plot. The non-linear storytelling keeps viewers engaged as the two main storylines gradually converge towards an explosive climax, with two asshole puckering scenes, the glass of milk opening and the tavern rendezvous, as the film's standouts. Tarantino's use of music, as always, is impeccable, with a memorable soundtrack that complements the narrative perfectly. Inglourious Bastards is not your typical war film. It's a bold reimagining of history with a touch of revenge fantasy. It's a true testament to Tarantino's talent for storytelling and his ability to create unforgettable characters and moments. While it may not be for everyone due to its graphic violence and dark humor, for those of you who can appreciate Tarantino's distinctive style, it's a must-watch and a cinematic achievement that continues to captivate audiences, and it now takes its rightful place in our top 100 films of all time. So there, are two Tarantino films that he's directed are in. If you include Tony Scott's True Romance, he's got three of his films that he's written Mm -hmm. in our top 100. I bet a lot of the people who know that I have my Tarantino podcast probably thought I would have nothing but all his movies just come flying in. But no, I've spaced them out. So there.
4: Well, I'm hoping that that coming up in a a few episodes time, perhaps, I may be able to sneak one in, squeeze a couple of Tarantino movies in my
5: Oh, we, we, may have, we may have to speak, because I, I do have one that has not been mentioned. that I'm, I, I'm, yeah. I'm secretly waiting for maybe one of its major releases. You know what I'm saying? One of I its see. anniversaries? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, maybe. What could you yeah, be talking about? What could I be talking about?
4: about? But yeah, so there's room for more.
5: That brings us to your second and our 49th induction okay. of our top 100. We're about to hit the halfway point. Mr. Smith, give us number 49.
4: Okay. From 1967, we're going for The Samurai, directed by Jean Pierre Melville. I'm going to read the blurb from my Criterion release, which the fact that it's on Criterion should itself say something about the movie. In a career defining performance, Alain Delon plays Jeff Costello, a contract killer with samurai instincts. After carrying out a flawlessly planned hit, Jeff finds himself caught between a persistent police investigator and a ruthless employer, and not even his armour of fedora and trench coat can protect him. An elegantly stylized masterpiece of cool by Maverick director Jean-Pierre Melville, the Samurai is a razor-sharp cocktail of 1940s American gangster cinema and 1960s French pop culture, with a liberal dose of Japanese lone warrior mythology. So yeah, the film depicts the intersecting paths of professional hitman trying to find out who hired him for a job and then tried to have him killed, and the police commissioner who's trying to catch him. Some consider the film to be style over substance, but on Rotten Tomatoes, the film has a has a hundred percent approval rating based on over thirty reviews and an average score of eight point five out of ten for sites. Critics' consensus reads, The samurai makes the most of its spare aesthetic using style and influential direction, solid performances and thick atmosphere to weave an absorbing story. Jean-Pierre Melville is considered the spiritual father of the French New Wave. He was one of the first fully independent French filmmakers to achieve commercial and critical success, a huge influence on Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino. In fact, Tarantino cites Melville's Le Doulos as the best screenplay of all time. Roger Ebert gave the film four out of four stars, writing, like a painter or a musician, a filmmaker can suggest complete mastery with just a few strokes. Jean-Pierre Melville involves us in the spell of Le Samurai before a word is spoken. He does it with light, a cold light, like dawn on an ugly day, and color, grays and blues, and actions that speak in place of words. So, that is my second induction this month. Wow. Cheeky Bastards Top
5: 100. Ooh, there it is. Yes. A little Tarantino was, crossover know. there. Oh, Yeah, a little bit of info yes. for you, like minded folks out there. Yeah, there you go. Well, I've got a through line for mine, and I felt thinking about it which one was going to make number 50? Inglorious. That seems a little too on the nose. People are probably going, Ah, he's going to put that there. Fooled you. But we are staying in war. I've done it before when I inducted Apocalypse Now and Full Metal Jacket. We're going to stay in World War II this time. And our 50th induction and my second of this month comes from 1998, Saving Private Ryan. Directed by Steven Spielberg, this film is a cinematic tour de force that redefined the war movie genre and stands out as one of the greatest war films ever made. It continues to leave an indelible mark on audiences for its visceral portrayal of World War II. The film opens with an awe-inspiring and harrowing depiction of the D-Day invasion of Normandy, a sequence that remains one of the most realistic and intense portrayals of combat in cinematic history. Spielberg's masterful direction and Janusz Kaminski's cinematography immerse viewers in the chaos and brutality of war, creating an unforgettable experience. However, at its core, Saving Private Ryan is a story of sacrifice, brotherhood, and the human cost of conflict. Tom Hanks delivers a poignant and powerful performance as Captain John Miller, who leads a group of soldiers on a mission to find and bring home Private James Francis Ryan, played by a young Matt Damon. The ensemble cast, including stand-up performances by actors like the late, great Tom Sizemore, Ed Burns, and Barry Pepper, brings depth and authenticity to the characters, each representing a different facet of the American experience in World War II. The film is not only about the physical battles, but also explores the moral dilemmas faced by the soldiers as they grapple with the value of a single life amidst the broader horrors of war. Spielberg skillfully balances the intense combat scenes with quieter moments of reflection, making the characters and their journeys all the more relatable and emotional resonant. Saving Private Ryan is a testament to Spielberg's storytelling prowess and his ability to craft a film that simultaneously pays homage to the bravery of those who served in World War II while reminding us of the profound toll of war on individuals and their families. It's a cinematic triumph that continues to move and inspire audiences, making it a must-see classic for anyone who appreciates powerful storytelling and exceptional filmmaking. And even though the fuckers at the Academy Awards did not see this as being the greatest movie of 1998 and gave it to that shit-ass movie that will remain nameless... It now proudly resides and has the honor of being the 50th film inducted into our illustrious top 100 films of all time. Take that, Academy. Fuck you. Mm-hmm.
4: Hear, hear. It
5: is probably the biggest snub, in my opinion, in the history of the Oscars. It not winning Definitely. the movie of the year for 1998. It's
4: a fantastic film all around. I think a lot, a lot of the time people talk about the, the beginning Normandy, you know, the beginning yeah. battle. But there's more. I'm always kind of
5: amazed at the end battle scene. In the tank. Yes. Yes. Where the tanks come in. So amazing. And then the moment everyone, the first time you see it, when Hanks is firing, just because he's, he's, he's not going down without a fight. He's just firing yes. his forty-five this at the, well tank, off, the tank. And then also the tank explodes. And you're like, what? The-, and and he, then you see yeah, the...
3: Yeah, yeah. That you, is a stroke he's kind of, of
5: genius he from Spielberg. It. He
4: thinks he blew up with his pistol, doesn't <laughs> yeah. he? Yes. And then the plane flies over. But there's the bit where they're in like they're in like a trench. Kind of, not a trench, yes. but a kind of a... They're kind of like in a dugout hole thing. and the And the tank just... Appears above him like fucking we're in Jurassic Park or George yeah. territory almost. You know yeah. what I mean? He's the master, this guy. He just
5: knows what he's doing so well. It's just really great. The whole no, fucking movie's them. amazing. I love the
4: movie. I love the movie
5: too. All right, well, that is our four inductees this month. We have from 1980, Cannibal Holocaust, from 2009, Inglorious Bastards, from 1967, Les Samurai, and from 1998, Saving Private Ryan.
0: That will do it for part one of our Bayham Unleashed Season 2 kickoff extravaganza. We want to thank our special guest, Petros Spatsilis, for joining us. Now you can find the links to all of his endeavors and socials in our show notes. We also want to thank Ryan Rebelkin for adding us to a stable of shows that are dedicated to the action genre over on the last of the Action Heroes Podcast Network. You can find the link to it along with the links to all of our cheeky bachelors endeavors in our show notes. So we hope you'll join us again next month for part two of our explosive journey through Michael Bay's filmography as we cover what we're calling the base section of it with films six through ten. And be sure to join us in three weeks to check out our latest episode of Dropping a Bruce, available on the last of the Action Heroes Podcast Network and wherever you get your podcasts. So until then, stay explosive, my friends.
1: that's a wrap on this month's show. Please feel free to join in on the debate by following the show on the show's socials, which can be found in the show's notes. If any of you found any of the opinions expressed in this episode to be offensive, we kindly ask that you go fuck yourself. However, if by some miracle you did enjoy the show, like a well-adjusted mature fucking adult, then please feel free to join us again next month to hear if Scott or Steve take a shit on something you hold dear. So until next time, remember, opinions are like assholes. They're full of shit and stink, Unless, of course, they're yours. This has been a Man with an Exceptional Beard
3: production.